Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast that celebrates the world's most creative people because we love artists. I'm your faithful, tireless host, Sourdough, coming at you from our studio in L.A. And boy, do we have a great episode for you today. I can't wait to get into this. Before I do, I want to encourage you to, of course, subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, make comments on social, share it on social. I also want to make sure to tell you to go to the website, check out all the great stuff for you. One of the cool things that we did was we recently announced our grant winners for 2022. So be sure to go check them out. And of course, think about submitting for our 2023 grant. Okay, enough about that. Let's talk about our guest today. Man, we've got a special one for you. Brilliant, genius, creative soul here. Nino Alisea hails from Puerto Rico, but he lives here in LA. And Nino is a charmer, man. I, I tell you what, if he wasn't married, I might have married him by the time this was done because he's just so charming and smart and incredible. And yeah, we have this like interesting connection because while he was born and raised in Puerto Rico, he also attended Indiana University, one of my alma maters. And so we had that connection. But, you know, I would have had Nino on the show anyway because he's this incredibly talented production designer who's done all kinds of projects here in Hollywood. Unlovable, Taste Made, uh, see, Dead Girls, Detective Agency. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing all kinds of ones, but that you get a sense. However, his sort of claim to fame, bread and butter, I guess, is, you know, he's a sort of lead production designer for a little artist called Ricky Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky Martin doesn't get any bigger than that. Right. And he's been working with Ricky for a long time and his talents and his creative genius help elevate Ricky's shows to be the world-class entertainer performer that Ricky is. But more than that, Nino and I actually connected over Burning Man because turns out we have a mutual friend who I was having dinner with and our mutual friend said, wait a minute, you went to Burning Man? My other friend went to Burning Man and he had a art installation on Playa this year. And I said, oh yeah, what, what was that? He said, well, that was Atabay. It's like, are you kidding me? Atabe, your friend designed and produced Atabe on Playa. I loved Atabe. <laughs> I said, I want to have Nino on the show. And so our mutual friend was able to put us in touch. So thankfully, you know, for us, for you, Nino took time out of his busy schedule to come on and talk about his life and his work and our mutual love for Burning Man and all the great stuff that he's done at Burning Man, because actually he's had three installations on Burning Man over the last 10 years or so. In 2015, 2016, he had a very popular installation called Got Framed, which was so fun. And I'll post photos of it. You can see it on the show notes on our website. Mukuro in 2019, the famous and beloved owl with the articulating head was a playa favorite, no doubt. Then he burned it at the end of, of Burning Man that week. So Mukuro's no more, but it was certainly a crowd favorite on playa in 2019. And then of course this year, Atabe, which is the goddess of fresh water. 
And it was, it's, it was incredible. The fact that I actually ended up meeting Nino is hilarious because my friends and I actually really love this piece. We discovered it on our bikes one day. Again, I'll post photos on the website and in the show notes so you can check it out. But Nino is just a great soul. I just love talking to him. And we really bonded and connected, not just over our ironic connection to Indiana, but then our love for Burning Man. And then, of course, you know, his passion for Puerto Rico and helping give back to his countrymen and women there, especially with all the tough times they're going through this year and still recovering from know, natural disasters over the last couple of years. So it's been a rough time for Puerto Rico, but I tell you what, with Nino on their side, everything's going to be just fine. Love this guy. Without further ado, let's get into this episode and hear from the one and only Nino Alicea. Nino Alicea. Got to get it right? (laughs) Alicea. Alicea. See, I knew I'd get it wrong, brother. I'm a gringo and I'm not as cool as you are. And, uh, you know, so you're going to have to tolerate my gringo-ness. I am so grateful that you're on the show, Dino. Thank you so much for coming and talking about our mutual love for art and artists and Burning Man. Thank you I for mean, this we, opportunity. We got it all, right? Yes, we do. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful that we've come together because we have mutual friends. We have mutual friends. We won't name who because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> but it was, you know, it's, we talk about Playa Magic at Burning Man, but it turns out that magic is here in LA too, because we have mutual friends. Yes. And mutual friends that I've known for a very, very, very long time. Yes. Yes. Well, okay. Before we get into this, yeah. Nino, because I know we want to talk a lot about, you know, your work and Burning Man and all the great things you're doing, but I want to stop for a minute though, and pay some respect and honor your fellow countrymen and women right now in Puerto Rico, ah. because Puerto Rico has been going through a hellacious time with the hurricane and the storm. How are your people doing? What are you hearing now? What is happening in Puerto Rico as we speak? Well, as we speak, we're still having the situation with a lot of people that lost pretty much everything. We had the situation also that uh, they still have no electricity. Some of them still haven't been, been, been able to reach water, drinkable water. And yeah, you know, we are here again. You know, it's, it's like for me personally, because I actually went in 2017, right after Maria and brought donations and helped out with part of the rebuild myself. It's just this frustrating. It's really frustrating to see this happening again. And five years later, here we are. And what happened in five years? And there's that part of me that, you know, my heart goes out and continues thinking about all those families that I helped back in 2017. And probably they still need help today. So that part of it is just sometimes, you know, I live in Los Angeles, but my heart is over there. And interesting enough, some of the, you know, mainly a lot of my art has become a vessel to create more climate change awareness for Puerto Rico and also, you know, for everybody. I think it needs to be universal. But at the same time, I like to continue helping my island, continue helping however I can. And in this case, I try to connect whatever I'm doing with my art career to Puerto Rico and bring them, you know, even hopefully some pride and joy. Indeed. Well, you know, what you're saying, I think, is so poignant and we need to emphasize that. I mean, you made several points, but one of the main points was that the folks who were devastated in 2017 were still struggling today or this week or this month when this new hurricane blew through. And so it is just... I mean, these folks, they need a miracle, don't they? They also need a really good, you know, leadership. Yes. They need to have people that are taking care of their well-being. Their well-being needs to be a priority. Yeah. I think that it's just, we go through this, it happens probably in every country. I'm not trying to single out that it's only happening in Puerto Rico, but, you know, we have all these possibilities for donations or these possibilities for help. But then we have the Jones Act. Then we have situations that, you know, part of the bigger cake, somebody wants to take a piece of it before he actually lands to the right hands. And it just goes on and on and on. And and I think also even the people in Puerto Rico are tired, are fed up. And I hope that, you know, this this actually wakes them up again and and say, hey, five years happened and and here we are again and doing it again. And the, the amazing part, because I give it to them, because I was there and I witnessed it too, 
is how much we help each other yeah. and how much we go hands down and, and we are painting, you know, Don Julio's house. We're fixing, you know, Doña Carmen's roof. We're taking their trash. And th this is actually just the way that we are. And I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of when it comes to the, that aspect of how, what Puerto Ricans do in moments of like distress, we help each other out. But it is also a time to also get a little bit angry because we should not be dealing, we are U.S. citizens. We should not be dealing with this much challenge at this point. Yes. Yes. Well, you talk about failure of leadership, and I know that our government has certainly failed in that regard. Our government is failing on so many metrics and levels these days. You know, when you think about the leadership in Puerto Rico, I mean, obviously, the communities bonding together and people are coming together and helping their neighbors and their families and their friends. But how would you rate the government in Puerto Rico? I mean, obviously, they're frustrated with the American government, but what is the Puerto Rican government getting right and wrong? Uh, it's such a tough question to answer, to be honest with you. We have now gone from one administration to another administration, same situation that actually even happened in Puerto Rico. You know, we have one governor, then that governor was kicked out. Then we brought another person, you know, another person to take his place. Now we're in another administration. That administration is getting investigated by the FBI. And it's just... Is one of the things that I just continues is mind-boggling that people that decide to take these positions of leadership are not learning from what other people have been doing. And it continues happening. And it just for me it's like it's 2022 and we're doing the same things that they did in 2017. Right. And sadly is we continue picking the same kind of leaders. And it's just it's very sad. I mean, it's I can unfortunately vote there because I'm now, you know, in, in the States, but it's just like, I feel like every time that they send another candidate to kind of be the leader, we're all humans. And I know that no one's perfect, but we continue going in the same direction of picking the same people that continue telling them, oh, you're going to have electricity tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and there's no electricity. Instead of just be completely flat honest and direct, right. And just tell them from the beginning, hey, you know what? This is going to take yeah. a few more weeks. Please, you know, stay put. I'm doing my best. I'm working really hard. I'm working nonstop. That to me, an honest approach is a lot better than continue telling them that false hope. Right. You right. know, so it's like, and then once you start doing that, you know, mi gente is just starting mistrusting. There's no trust anymore. You're killing the trust. You're killing the possibilities of continue just moving forward. Now it's like I feel like I'm stuck again. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like in that situation, radical honesty, radical transparency is going to be the best approach, right? Because the last thing you want to do is set, give people false hope, give people, set people up for frustration or failure, you know, and that is really a lack of leadership, poor leadership. And it's unfortunately, you know, I think the rule rather than the exception when it comes to so many governments on dealing with natural disasters, you know, I don't know. But, well, I tell you what, you know, my heart, uh, my prayers go to your family and your friends and your Thank country you. during this time. You know, it's, it's America can be incredibly selfish and myopic and in disregard, you know, what's happening. I've, I've done some work in Haiti over the years, and that's another kind of example of a country that, you know, well, certainly corruption has caused a lot of problems. But, you know, you try to make a difference in places. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, we're not here to talk about natural disasters and <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and, and, and tragedies. To, before we said way to yeah, where we're yeah. going to talk about, thank you so much for the kind words. You know what, the, the one thing that is very important is that we continue talking about it, that we continue giving a voice to the people that don't have one. So it's very important to have this kind of conversations. And even, even if they're uncomfortable, we have to like bring them onto the table. We have to continue seeing and sharing these challenges that they are going through. And I know everybody is going through their own challenges. I'm not taking that away from anybody. But in this case, it's like it continues happening to the same people over and over and over again. And all I have for them is hope. And my hope for them is that let's start making things the proper way. Let's start creating an infrastructure that's not going to fail. Let's start 
going to the root of all these problems and start finding solutions. We are smart people. We survive Maria. We survive Fiona. Why are we not going to the table and the drawing table and just start like figure out what is it that we need to do because this cannot continue happening again. And I think that that's very important to continue having those kind of conversations, whether it's just us here in this amazing podcast or around, you know, around the, the whole country. Indeed. Well, you know, maybe the segue here really is to talk about climate change, because you're right. I mean, the issue is climate change. And for so many of these, you know, storms that are happening now and other issues, whether it's the, you know, glaciers melting or, you know, the hot temperatures that we're seeing. And it's fascinating to me that our species, mankind, seems to be so good at sort of putting our head in the sand and acting like, you know, climate change isn't happening. And I know so many artists are using their art to try to raise awareness and try to shine a light on this issue so that people's consciousness is elevated around, you know, as an artist yourself, talk a little bit about how your art helps to raise consciousness around climate change. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to then rewind a little bit about in 2014, I came out with this idea that I wanted to bring art to Burning Man. And that was my first time that I said, you know what, this time I'm not going as an spectator. I really want to be part of like the gifting aspect. And after seeing so much art, I started going in 2011. Forgot to mention that. So in 2014, that's when I started like thinking about creating something for the burner community. And that's when GotFrame came about. GotFrame did not get the, did not, I applied for the grant. I did not get it. I also, I also put a, a crowdfunding to help me actually fabricate it. I didn't even get my goal. And it was like, no, you know what? It's happening. I'm doing it. I'm going to make it happen. And I'm so glad I did because that year got framed was dedicated to my grandma with 91 roses around the frame for her name, Rosamelia. So I used half of her name and I created the motif for got framed. And I'm glad that I did because in 2016, she started transitioning and she actually passed right before the burn on 2016. And I've actually made a last one big 90 second rose that I put on the temple on 2016 in her name. And she got to see it. More importantly, she actually got to see it. She got to enjoy it. And so got frame in pictures. But I'm very happy about that. Anyways, my point on that is that I also then apply for Mucaro on my, my next year. And Mucaro was dedicated to education and teachers everywhere. One teacher in particular, my mom, who, you know, now she's retired, but she taught in Puerto Rico for 45 years. So I wanted to do something for her. And since I had done the got frame for my grandmother the year before, I wanted to do something for her. And that was actually the first time I received the honorary art grant through Burning Man. I'm also the first Puerto Rican, not to brag, first Puerto Rican that has ever brought art to the playa. Bravo. And, uh, amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to inspire others. And yes. that's actually, I don't want to be the only one. So that 2017, that's when I built Mucaro. Mucaro, you know, it was actually a piece that was burnt at the event as part of the event. And when it happened, everything was great. And I was so ready to bring the news to Puerto Rico and so ready to like share how much everybody enjoyed Mucaro and what a great accomplishment that was for not just me, but also for my whole crew, my team. And hopefully, you know, also like share with my Puerto Ricans. And that's when Hurricane Maria hit. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2017. My priorities just changed. I just, my vision was completely cloudy. You know, 2017, for those who remember, there was no communication. The little communication, it was very spotty. People were driving into the mountains to try to actually get some sort of cell service. So, you know, it just... My whole family is there, my friends from school. So, you know, your priorities changed. And that's when I went and and brought all the donations that we collected here through the RS Events for Life, which is our mutual friend, Rosling's nonprofit organization. Shout out, Roz. Uh, Yes, she did. And she told me, you know, I can't go. You know, that was actually, she was pregnant with her second baby. And I can't go, but I just want to bring all this, you know, donations to Puerto Rico. 
And I said, I'll go. And I went on her name and we distributed all these donations around Puerto Rico. And the one thing that happened in that particular trip was that when I came back or when I was, you know, already planning coming back, I said, we need to figure something else. I need to figure out something else. Like I just was so desperate on figure out what else can we do for Puerto Rico. And I came out with the idea that I wanted to bring the owl to Puerto Rico, but now make it sustainable. And now to, instead of dedicated to education and teachers everywhere, I want it to be dedicated to sustainable energy, to educate our people about sustainable energy, whether it's wind, whether it's water, whether it's, you know, sun. I just wanted to like start figuring out all these options that are available to us and start bringing those ideas to the people in Puerto Rico. Because the one thing that I continue noticing is that when I was there in 2017, the sense of abandonment was pretty high. The fact that it's only United States was just not being, there was just like a sense of like, they don't care. Like, I don't care about these people that live in an island far, far away in the middle of water. So that sense, it was actually very energetic. And I think that you know this as we experience this Burning Man too, when you have this many people together, there's energy that goes around and there is, a, a spark, we call it Playa Magic, because we're all giving and all that. So the same thing happened in this island where everybody just felt very desperate and abandoned. And of course, we picked each other up and we're resilient people and Puerto Rico se levanta. And, you know, we say all these amazing things, but I just felt the need to, that we need to figure out a better way for the future. Unfortunately, Mucaro for Puerto Rico, I still actually in the plans, is going to happen. But we hit, you know, as we were trying to plan a place to build it and to fabricate it, then we got the, the pandemic and that put everything on stall. It's actually, you know, like if you just take a little bit of a backseat, but now we're sparking it back because then I created the one that we are actually, the main reason why we're in this podcast is I created a third, our installation at Burning Man this year called Atabe's Treasure. We loved it, by the way. Well, my you. my campmates, we discovered it on our bikes. Of course, I had no idea that I would eventually meet the artist and have oh them my on my gosh. podcast. <laughs> but my friends and I, we were on our bikes and we rolled up. We said, "Look at this cutie!" Like it was just, it was just jumping out of the playa. It was just like we loved it. It was just so happy. It made us so happy. It was just such a oh. wonderful, positive vibe and energy source for us. And thank you so much for that gift. Oh, wow. That'll be about to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made us so happy. And, you know, the, you. the fact that we're meeting now and that we're talking now to me is a real, it's a gift. It clearly, it keeps on giving, so to speak. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Well, I have to thank, like, my whole crew. I mean, I had, like, a really amazing team of people from camp leads to workers, crew, you name it, I just, we had like an amazing team that put this together and I was driving it, but I'm not going to lie to you. There were times where the weather this year was very, really challenging. The heavy equipment wasn't available as much as we thought it was going to be available. And as you know, Atabe was 18 feet tall. Yep. So Atabe, for those who don't know, is a goddess of fresh water on the Taino indigenous people from my Puerto Rico. Same people that actually named Mucaro, the owl in Puerto Rico, Mucaro, the Taino. So I've been wanting to go through with my art, going back to my original roots from Puerto Rico and trying to create like the awareness also, besides climate change awareness, the awareness of like my actually Taino people of my island before colonization. So Atabe was 18 feet tall and made of pizza pans yes, yes. And, recycle, and recycling metal. <laughs> we, we said, we, we looked at it and said, are those pizza pans? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so genius. Thank you. Thank you. Pizza pans, recycling metal sheet that we cut in waves. I call it bacon strips. And that part, I didn't even know how it was going to look because we were never, ever able to finish it in L.A., Right. So that part, we had to like improvise it there. And then the bubbly, sticky out eyes 3D 
they're actually protector mirrors that you 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 see at stores so people yeah. don't don't hit each other <laughs> so i just yeah it was it was a really fun to design really fun to think about how can we make this but the one thing that happened with mucaro is as i mentioned to you we burned it so we have to create it from the start what I did not want to do with Atabe this time is like, I want Atabe to go somewhere because she has a message to put out there. And I made it out of metal and steel, something that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And none of the people in my crew have done before. So we all learn new skills. And sometimes we were really crappy because it was just really hard. But their sense of accomplishment, I think that it's the part that we all should take with us at this point. And the fact that, you know, we get this kind of feedback from people that got to see it and enjoy it. And the other part that is the most important part, it's that Atabe was all completely solar powered. So I wanted to keep this message that I learned from back in 2017 into this piece. And for, you know, who knows if you understood it or you discovered it, but all our solar power programming was in detail. So we actually hid it in the tail and, and we used the tail as actually a little compartment, our secret compartment to solar power the piece. And it was amazing because we even had it on a timer and I don't know what happened to the timer. Well, you know, it's a ply. It's a, <laughs> yeah, I know what happened to them too. The, to it, the playa it's happened the playa. to the timer. <laughs> it was on through the day. There was so much power stored in the batteries that it, it actually was on even during the day. Wow. That's how intense and, and amazing was to witness what solar power can do. And right now, as I mentioned it to you, one of the things that I'd like to do is to, whether it's Puerto Rico or whether it's somewhere else in California or somewhere else in the United States, that I, we can bring a tabe and continue just sending a message of climate change, climate awareness, and solar power I think that that's just, to me, the most powerful part of the actual piece. Yeah, I think this is a really important point, you know, you're making, not just for your piece as an artist, but so many pieces on Playa and so many of the artists that make these pieces, I mean, there's a deeper message. It's not, you know, maybe a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people have never been to Burning Man, maybe who are listening, the levels of thought and sophistication and meaning and love it's way beyond the surface and yeah it might be cool you know when you see something on the surface but if you know the meaning if you know the story behind or what the artist is trying to communicate you know for the most part all those pieces are just saturated with levels of interpretation and and meaning that the artist is trying to communicate yes I mean, it's actually really neat when you come, you know, it's, it's really hard to communicate there, as we know. But once you come back and, and you see the other pieces that were on Playa and you're like, wow, you know, it's just so amazing to feel connected with this artist. Not just because we are doing a piece on Playa, but at the same time, the fact that a lot of them also thought about solar powered. For whatever reasons, a lot of them had to actually go back to a generator because the solar power was not working out Mm -hmm. as well as they planned. I'm actually, including myself, we didn't know if we were going to go solar until we were actually on Playa and my solar lead was still in Reno waiting for the solar panels (laughs) and the batteries to arrive as I'm already building Atabe. And he said, if this doesn't work, I'll go to Walmart and buy a generator. That's how close call we had it. And then suddenly he sends me a message. Yay, I got the batteries. And the interesting part, the panels came from San Francisco. Some, a friend of friend picked up panels for us. Another friend brought the batteries from Los Angeles. You know, like he, it was actually like really neat to see. I brought the inverter because I received that here in LA. So it was like almost all these pieces of the puzzle. We had to put them together on Playa <laughs> as we were building. And, and we were like this, please, yeah. please yeah. work, please work. 
And he did. Because you just don't know, right? And, and it could go nope. either way. And the miracle of the play is that seemingly oftentimes it goes, it, it goes, you know, it yes. goes, you know, somehow, some way. And this piece is no exception. I mean, how many batteries did you have? Two. Two batteries. Gotcha. Two batteries, gotcha. one inverter, three panels. And, you know, of course, there's a part of me that as a designer, I wish we would have done something a little bit better for the panels. But like I mentioned to you, the close call was actually on plier. Right. So right. we just had to like, it just gets to a point that you have to surrender to yes. this is how it's going to work this year. And you don't fight, don't try to go the opposite way. I mean, you persist as much as you can. Right. But it just gets to a point that you say, hey, you know what? That doesn't supposed to go up. It's okay. Right. Not meant to be. Let's ride the wave wherever the wave is yeah. taking us. Yeah. For sure. Well, so I want to honor your team a little bit because, oh, you know, and, and for people who, you know, are listening who maybe don't, you know, of course, we're going to post photos and everything on the blog, you know, they'll be able to see it. But for people who maybe who have not been to Burning Man either, like, you know, they may not appreciate just how complicated these projects are, how many people it takes, you know, the timing, the materials, the cost, all of these things. I'd love to try to break down the project a bit in terms of some of these metrics and some of these numbers, because, you know, I know you probably started thinking about this in designing it a year ago or 10 months ago, right? You're probably sketching and rendering. I mean, there's a whole design process. You are a production designer. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but take us through the design process, obviously the inspiration, and the design, but then when it comes to fabrication, I mean, it sounds like, A, you didn't build this in L.A. Uh, to, to make sure all the pieces work, right? You probably did what you could, but you're bringing all this to Playa. You're assembling it on Playa. You've got a crew. You've got a team. You've got people spread out bringing things from L.A. and Reno. I mean, let's honor this story and your team because these are amazing humans. Thank you for actually giving me this amazing opportunity to single them out because it is true. It is so true, true. But to correct your one statement, I actually applied for At The Bay back in 2020. Oh, uh, okay, right. Yeah. So I applied for 2020, the grant, and I didn't get it. I didn't get the grant that year. And I said, you know, I actually set up a goal to, okay, at least I'm going to put it on the VR world, mm -hmm. which I did. And at least I wanted to participate and be part of the of the event, whether, you know, after it got canceled. So the process has been a three-year process for me. And the process of the application is actually really stressful. And, and I'm not trying to discourage anybody from doing it. If I did it, anybody can do it. <laughs> but you have to start analyzing and thinking, you know, why I didn't work on my application in 2020? What do I need to address for 2022? to make it better and make mm -hmm. make the application something that they understand the mission and where we want to go with this piece. I'm very grateful that we got it. We actually received it, but you still have to like go through the whole process of crowdfunding as well. The only fun partial of the project after you turn in a budget. And in my case, the budget that I actually had created, I created it back in 2020 and I updated it here and there. But what a part that I did not expect was that everything was going to double and triple after the pandemic when it came to materials. Steel was out of control. I mean, like, I remember just putting the car down for, and I'm like sweating. It's like, oh, it's like, oh my God, are you serious? This is how much it's going to cost? Okay. And it just, it just went several times. I had to go back into the budget, figure out where things need to be cut and, yes. and start analyzing that. Nino, can I interrupt yeah, you for a please, second? I'm please. sorry, I don't, you're, on a, you're on a roll, but I'm sorry to interrupt. And by the way, it's fine if you don't feel comfortable. But I want to ask you about the budget because okay. I mean, I want to I better understand, I want the listeners to better understand the kind of investment that people make into their projects on Playa. Yes, there are grants, but the grants often don't cover, you know, all the costs that you have to, as you said, self-fund or put down your own credit card. And your project was 18 feet high. God knows how heavy it was. The total footprint, I'm uncertain you can speak to that. But if you don't mind being 
a bit more transparent about the budget, you know, just so that people understand kind of what we're talking about here, because this was not an inexpensive endeavor. It was a huge labor of love on your part. I'm sure the grant was incremental in terms of your cost. So, you know, and I, and by the way, let's point out to people that nobody's getting paid for this. I mean, everybody, yeah. everybody is working for free for the love of the game, for the love of the play, for the love of the magic. And, you know, so you're buying materials, you're having to ship, transport, that kind of thing. You know, ballpark numbers, you don't have to be too specific, but just, I'm just curious, can you help us understand what it took to bring this artwork to life financially? I completely agree with you and I absolutely understand. The one part is like, I can't go specifically in numbers because I don't want other installations to think that it's like, oh, they got that much, why they didn't get that much kind of situation. Yes. And I, you know, that's just not... I don't want that kind of conversation to even have to happen. But I will tell you this, the piece was almost in between 35 to 4,000 pounds heavy. The materials of like, I will go to get my first order of steel. It was somewhere in between 3,000 to $4,000. And then I will have to like add to that the lighting, the mesh, the pizza pans, the sheets, the eyes, and also all these tools that we need to actually to be able to cut to, you know, like there is just in a ballpark idea kind of situation is like it's close to like more than twenty to $30,000 an endeavor. It, it actually was like it ended up being more because we went a little bit over budget because the prices that like I mentioned to you in the conversation before, the prices that I had in mind or that I thought that would actually a little bit accurate they were not in 2022 anymore. Right. And so I have to adjust to that. And then on top of that, also, we, you know, we have an amazing group of people that are helping out. I like to take care of them. So we have to figure out also a camp. What, how can we work with the camp? How can I make the camp be happy and, and also deal with the weather challenges that we had to all deal with? And it's still go back to work tomorrow with a big smile, <laughs> you know? And it was amazing to have this group of friends that are like major overachievers that just, we're going to make this happen. It's going to happen. And they have that mindset. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was really, really hard. Like I mentioned before, dealing with steel is very different than dealing with wood, dealing with the heat that we had to deal with this year, definitely, you know, it kills a lot of brain cells and, yeah. <laughs> and it makes you a little bit cranky at times and snappy. Yeah. And I mean, my hopes are like no one takes it personal because we all going through that. We're still dealing with the trauma of this year. And I'm not saying, you know, like a lot of people, they had a great time and they had a, a beautiful time. I'm so happy they did. But when you put all this much work on Playa and then you have to go back at the end of the week and take it down after being there for two weeks, a lot of people are being there only for one week. But two weeks is just, it's really hard on your body, really hard on your mind and your hands and your feet and your nose and your ears. It's like, it's just like a really hard experience that you have to deal with and actually i give it the people that are there for even months before i'm like oh. i don't i don't know how you're doing it my longest has been 14 days and i don't think i can do more than 14 days so yeah i mean it, the one other part that is very important and i don't know if you actually end up answering your question but the one other part that's important is just to find your tribe find your group and make sure that they're taken care of. Because yes. I try really, really hard to take care of them as much as I can, because I know working in production design, when you take care of your crew, the crew works harder and They happier. take care of you, that's yeah. right. So I tried my best to do it. You know, if I fail, I fail. If I didn't, I'm glad I didn't. But at the same time, I know that that was always, always my intention, is to take care of them because they're helping me out. I can't do this alone. I can't put this up alone. How many people in the crew again? Just oh. really specifically? Okay. So to give you a little comparison, Mukaro in 2017, I had 42 people. This year at Abay, because they actually were less participants and less people were coming to the burn this year, it was only 18. Wow. And we gained two people on Playa to help us out. But I wish that I would have 
planet a little bit better with more people. Sure, sure. Because I think that, you know, it exhausted people's energy too fast, too quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I mean, because at the end of the day, it'd be nice to be able to know that, well, you've got enough people that folks are only working X hours a day and they're resting and, you know, people, you know, all that stuff. Right. Because at the end of the day, it is hot and you don't want to, you know, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous environment. I mean, you don't want people to overheat and burn out. And so 18 people, that's amazing what you guys completed. Now, in terms of transporting, so because you're transporting steel and and all kinds of materials, you know, maybe from LA and from Reno. I mean, what did you transport from LA and what did you transport from Reno? And were you were using a flatbed? Like how were you transporting the materials? So because they're heavy. Yes. So we actually got a 26 footer truck. The one thing that I also from the get from designing with the engineer and the architect, I wanted the piece to break down. So could actually be I'm not saying like easy to transport because it was not easy to transport, but to at least break down to a possibility that in between two people, we can move apart. In between three people, we can put this together. So the idea was to make it as modular as possible. Mm-hmm. But I heard that I actually, you know, one of my crew members said, this is not modular. And say, like, oh, I thought that this was modular. He said, just, you know, <laughs> you just, you put, you put all the parts together, you know, right. and you put a bolt on them. That's, isn't that modular? But I guess I got that wrong term. So I you know say that, modular, I say modular. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But it actually broke down to the point that in that 26 footer truck, he took a third of the space inside the truck. And then we use the other two thirds to bring our camp stuff and make everybody's trip from Los Angeles to Reno more comfortable. So they didn't have to completely overpack their cars and have bins in your neck for eight to 12 hours. So that's what we try to like put it in the rest in the truck. And that actually, that was another huge expense going back to like the budget conversation that we just had. It's like, you have to also budget the truck. You have to budget gas. There are stops. The, the truck makes it. That if we had a, suddenly an engine light goes out, what are we doing? Which it happened. And it's like, <laughs> what, you know, what do we do? Okay, let's just stay close to each other and hope for the best. So there's all these things that you have to like think about outside just building on our installation. And to give them to, again, another shout out to all my crew and all my fabricators that helped me out. We actually built, because we got there okay with engineering drawings a little bit late in the game, but we built everything for Atabe in five weeks in Los Angeles. Amazing. And not every day. I was there pretty much every day, but there was people that will come in and out and mostly the weekends we were there pretty much all day. But I'm really, really proud of all of them because, I mean, there was a point, even myself, it's like, is this happening? Is this actually going to happen? And like I even mentioned earlier, too, there were things that we were not able to do in Los Angeles that we had to save it and do it there. Because otherwise, my stuff was not going to make it either. And I still have to survive there. So, yeah. So you were on Playa for 14 days or you were traveling for 14 days. I'm guessing you had a day or two of travel on either end. How many days on Playa were you? 14 or less than that? This time around 13. Because 13 I, days. I, I got there. I get there. I got, well, no, actually. So 14, I left Monday. I was on Playa on Tuesday and I left Playa Monday morning. So okay. 13. Got it. So then how many days out of those 13 were construction days to set up? How many days did it take to actually complete the work? We started working on Atabay on that Wednesday, and we did not stop until Sunday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five days to finish. And then I'm guessing one day to take it down. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, <laughs> right? t- I mean, take down. Striking is always quicker. The striking right? is a lot quicker. Striking, we got <laughs> up. We were there in, on strike at, I think it was at 7 in the morning. And we were done by 2. <laughs> right. That's yeah. so typical. That's hilarious. And, oh, and even, even, even as, as we were done by 2, you know, I give a hug to everybody. And everybody, we just did, we did a big group mm-hmm. hug. And it's like, we did mm-hmm. this. 
F you, Playa, but we did it. And, you know, we, we're like all having a moment there. And they all left. They all went back to camp. I had to stay because you still have to do a checkout. What mm -hmm. is it called? Artery checkout where they come, they see that your grounds is clean about 100 feet from your piece. They need to be mooped, checked. Our ground anchors need to be removed or flagged at least. And as soon as they left, a whiteout. And I sat in the truck for two and a half hours on a whiteout waiting for artery to come and check me out. Yeah. And, and I said, you know what? This is it. Okay. A friend of mine stopped by. So I hang out a little bit with him. And then I even say, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. Do you mind staying here? Because, of course, you know, Murphy's Law has to be that when I go, that's when Artery shows of up. Of course. And it becomes like uh, you go back into their queue. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. So. Right, right. Where is Atabay now? Oh, she's in a storage in downtown Los Angeles, in the same place where we fabricated her. And so what's the future for Atabay? So I'm actually having conversations with four different cities at the moment. And somebody also just jumped in in the conversation in social media that he has a few other ideas. So we're open at this point. We would like to finish her properly. One thing that, you know, talking about some things that you have to just let it go and be okay with it. Atabe was supposed to have a ladder that going all the way to her mouth and there was going to have a tunnel slide going into her tummy. So mm -hmm. basically you're eaten by the fish. We still have the slide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's the possibility of a 2.0 version. The tail was made out of wood. We actually built that tail there. I would like to make it out of steel. And yeah, I would love, love for her to go to public art somewhere to be shared and introduced to new people and also inspired other artists, especially artists from our community, but also artists from Puerto Rico that I would love to mentor them. I would love to like have this whole communication with them about what it takes to make a good application, a Burning Man for your grant and things like that. I mean, no guarantees, but at the same time, if I can give that, you know, little push of inspiration, it will be such an honor for me. Well, this is your third, right, artwork on Playa. Yes. Dare I ask about the fourth? <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. Too that's soon. what I thought. I figured I'd ask, but, you know, <laughs> I wasn't expecting. I have an idea. Okay. And, of course, okay. it's connected to Puerto Rico. But yes. I think it's yes. just right now I'm still dealing with what we just did. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be a month next week. Right. It's a month next week since we left the playa. De decompression so. is real. Yes. You know, it is, oh, yeah. it is a very real thing. And oh, yeah. to think about what's next, you know, is one of those things like we have to honor what we just been through. Let's not uh, rush, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen next year. And repair relationships. And repair yes. <laughs> conversations. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, there's people that are not talking to me right now. And I don't blame them. I get it. I totally get it. It was hard. It was a hard year. I mean, it was hotter. It was one of the hottest years. It was one of the windiest years. We were three years out of practice, right? Like, we, you know, like, I'm sorry. But, you know, the momentum and the incentive of doing it year over year, it's just easier. It's been three years since, since we've been on Playa. So I'm sorry. We were a little rusty. It's, it was a tough year for many reasons. All the stuff that we forgot, all the right. stuff that, oh, shoot, I didn't bring it. Oh, yeah. oops, I forgot that. And it's like, oh, I always bring it. But I, this time around, with Atabeng in my head, it was just, she took so much space in my brain yes. that a lot of things were just pushed to the side and mm. not intentionally. It just, I had no room. I mean, right. there were times where... I will come back from building on Playa and I'll come back to camp and I will just go to bed. I was completely exhausted. I didn't know if somebody else comes in with another question, I have no idea what to say. Right, right. You know, how many burns is this for you now? Uh, this will be because of the break and I'm not counting 2018, even though that I went for early men. Wait, why aren't you counting 2018? 
I only went for early men. I didn't go for event. Oh, event week. got you. Okay. okay. I only went for early men, which, you know, like I was invited by someone that was working. And yeah, yeah. So at least I was on ply on 2018. Right, this right. This is my ninth. Your ninth burn. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy. So yeah. next year is the big 10 year anniversary. Yes. Again, don't ask me. Too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> but I have to ask, though, if you're on Playa in 2018 and you left, what was that about? Was that, Did you not have a ticket? What What was that about? So I don't want to bring the room down, but my dog was transitioning. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It's okay. Okay, enough it's said. Okay. Enough said. Enough said. She was transitioning and I decided to come home. Right. That was the right decision. And I'm glad I did. She actually started her transition process on Temple Night. So oh, on wow. Temple Burn Night at the Burn, mm. that's when she actually started. And if I would have gone, I would not be back until that Tuesday. So Sunday, and she actually passed on that Tuesday. Right, right, right. Yeah. Anyways, that's why. But gotcha. you know, she's with me. She's with me always. Yes, yes, yeah. indeed. So, your work. I mean, you know, my God, we have a whole other podcast just to talk <laughs> about your work as a production designer. You know, I want you to come back and we can talk more. But what are you working on right now as a production designer? I mean, I know you're just getting back and maybe you're in between projects. But what's keeping you busy? Well, Atabe is still keeping me busy. I was cleaning her bolts. Every mm-hmm. bolt and nut and washer that was placed on it. Mm-hmm. I was cleaning it just yesterday. So it's definitely keeping me busy because I'm trying to organize where we build it to get her out of there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the best way possible. And then I actually also working on a project that is going to happen, filming happening in October and then in November. And then in November, I head back with on tour. So I don't know if you saw, but I also worked for... Do you know Ricky Martin? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Oh, excellent. So, right. So, you're going back on tour with Rick. Yeah. Or do they call him Rick? Maybe Ricky. No, Kiki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's exciting uh, yeah. going back on the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I joined that team and that family. i known them for since he was actually on, on a soap opera back mm-hmm. in, in the days of General Hospital. So... Mm-hmm. That's when we met. It happened that the universe brought us together in 2017 when he was doing the all-in residency in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And they needed all these props in art department and all that. And and it just happened that I started working as, you know, my friend told me, hey, can you help me with the water? And can you help me with the bananas and the apples? And sure, you know, I I was at that moment, I, I had like a big break of work. And said, yeah, I'll help you out. And next thing I know, I'm remodeling the green, the, his green room. And next thing I know, I'm painting the drums. And next thing I know, I'm working, I'm building dice for the show and feathers and cards. And so now basically I go on tour because we did the residency for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we moved to go on tour. We did already South America, which... You know, when we were in Mexico, that's when we were sent home from the pandemic. And then we just recently went back, finished Mexico. But then we did the U.S. tour with Enrique Iglesias. And that was really, really, really amazing. But a really long time on the road. And now I'm going to do South America again. And we leave, I think, is Thanksgiving. I'll tell you what, you learned a lot at Indiana University. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. (laughs) And, you know, I say that for several reasons, not the least of which I also went to Indiana University. No way. And uh, (laughs) You're a Hoosier? No, I'm a Hoosier. I was born in Gary, Indiana. Oh, my God. I grew up in Northwest Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i told you i was a gringo i come by it honestly i mean <laughs> what wow i wanted to bring that up because i was like oh my god wow. that was the last thing i expected to see in your bio as i was reading i was like oh my god uh nino and i have have indiana university in common <laughs> wow that's amazing definitely have another conversation <laughs> for sure between you and i so back when i was in puerto rico I heard that my first year of college, I heard of that this program on my first year when I was there, I've heard of this program is called the National Exchange Student 
program mm -hmm. where they give you this opportunity to go as an exchange student to any university that you pick on the program, but it was only one year. It's a one-year program. And I basically convinced my dear best friend, Becky, and said, Becky, we should do it and we should apply. And then we remember we were sitting looking at the map and we just saw that she wanted to do a degree in business and I wanted to do a degree in graphic design. And we would look for schools that were good in both. And then we picked IU, but then listen to this part. This is actually quite funny. We picked IU thinking that we were going to Bloomington. Right. We picked the one school that they had in the program was IPFW, which is in Fort Wayne. And no, you know, it's great, but it was an Indiana and a Purdue combination college. Right, right. Where she got her, you know, she was going through business through Purdue and I was going through graphic design in Indiana. And it was like, well, we already got accepted. We're not going to turn around. <laughs> so we went. We went and, and I experienced snow for my first time in my life. And my first year was patching snowflakes with my mouth open. <laughs> Second year was like, oh, snow, snow. snow. <laughs> right. The novelty wears off quick. <laughs> it gets dirty really fast. Yes. And the third year is like, give me the hat. No, I'm an island kid. I got to go. Yeah, the devil. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, you know, Fort Wayne, Bloomington, I mean, very different places. Yes. Certainly, one could argue that Bloomington, you may have had more fun in Bloomington at the end of the day, <laughs> but because I know I've had a lot of fun in Bloomington over the years, but that was, you know, and, and growing up in Indiana, it's funny because, you know, naturally people think, oh, you must be a farm kid or, you know, rural corn. Indiana, corn. <laughs> And, you know, the reality is because I was born in Gary, Indiana, you know, my reality was so much more connected to Chicago than so many other folks in Indiana, right? I mean, because we were essentially 40 miles outside of Indiana. My dad was a working class guy, you know, working out of the steel mills there in Northwest Indiana. So that, that re, the region, as we called it, the region, very industrial, right? Compared to most of the rest of the state, which is very agricultural. But of course, it's if you grew up in Indiana, it's either IU or Purdue, maybe Notre Dame, Ball State, you know, and that... <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that's it. But when I saw that we had that connection, I had to bring that up because that's a very random. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad. Random. We'll definitely have a huge conversation. So what happened was, as I mentioned to you, it's a one-year program. Everybody goes back home after one year. It's that, and, and you don't live with a family. You actually you live on your own or you have roommates or they put you together with people. And in this case, I was staying with my best friend, Becky. Becky and I, we just got an apartment together and we were like doing all that. And, and we started finding work. I had to like find work to be able to stay there. And on my second year, when everybody decided to go from the National Exchange Program, I was like, all the people that I met, I had to wait, say, hey, I'm going to stay. I'm going to finish right. it here. I finished my degree in three years in IU. And then uh, two days after graduation, I was in Los Angeles. <laughs> get the heck out of there. Get back to the sunshine. And being knowing that you wanted to go into design, maybe entertainment, certainly L.A. Yeah. was the best place to be. That is a wonderful story. Nino, want to be respectful of your time. You're a busy man. Okay. We've had such an amazing conversation. The, the, the Pie and Magic and the Gifts of the Pie continue to give, even today during this podcast, if nothing you know, more than because we've, we've become acquainted now, and I think we're friends now, and we have Indiana University <laughs> between us. Oh. So <laughs> we have to do this again. Yeah. We'll do it again. We'll also okay. do it again. More to come because, you know, when the time does come and you have a sense of what you might want to do next year as well, we want to come and talk about, you know, our mutual love for Burning Man again as we ramp up maybe to next year. But, you know, we've got to end on a very tough question. We've got to end Oof. on a very, you know, this is maybe the toughest question yet of our whole conversation. And the question is this. How are we going to get Roz and Eric to Playa? <laughs> you know what? I think Eric will do it. I think Eric will be, he is a good candidate. Roslyn, I know my sister for a very long time. 
Well, if anybody would know, you would know. You've known her a long time and you know the playa well. So Do you know what it's going to be? You know that this year was uh the theme was waking dreams? Yes. With her, it might just turn into complaining dreams. <laughs> <laughs> waking nightmare is really waking what... <laughs> nightmare yes she will be like what and then she will be looking at me you do this for fun <laughs> that's what she will say to me say you you actually do this for fun <laughs> it does not compute for some people my wife is a similar is in a similar camp she's happy for me to go but she would go uh, she prefer to go to the spa <laughs> i'm getting dusty she wants to get clean yes. and and pampered and she's happy to hear our stories and my stories when i get back but uh, she so does not <laughs> care to <Yep>. go <laughs> no Uh, yeah, but Eric could be a really good candidate. I really think that it, eventually we might be able to grab him and okay. who knows, may, maybe we can offer his, hey, you don't have to stay the whole week. Right. He can get in and out. Yeah, right, 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 right. Give him an escape hatch. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we have to tell him in the early part because I think that by Wednesday, if the, their deadline is Wednesday, right. he might actually want to stay through Sunday. Right, right. Yeah, he'll know by Wednesday whether he wants to stay or go and, yes. and pro providing that option. So I think this is an official plan now, my friend. I think, you know, <laughs> you and I need to just hatch a plan here secretly so while no one's listening and figure out how we get our, our good friend Eric to the playa uh, as soon as possible. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. I can't wait to tell him that I actually had this today with you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to him. And I'm so grateful to him. By the way, Eric's one of my favorite people. I just love that dude. And I'm so grateful to, to know him and call him my friend. And he's been on the podcast too, by the way. But no, the fact that he connected us off playa like this, I mean, it's such an amazing thing. You know, by the way, I mean, are you, one of the things that I walked away with this year was kind of a goal and a desire to better connect with the local uh, burner community here in Los Angeles. Do you connect with uh, the, the local community here at all? Because of my crew? Right, my right. Family, they are sure. my extended regional, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. we get together weekly or, you know, every weekend, birthdays, right, right. celebrations, anything, you name it. The one thing that I'm going to just put, put it out there into mm -hmm. the universe with mm -hmm. you, and mm -hmm. I have not done this officially with anybody, is like, I like to create a regional in Puerto Rico. Mm. So there's a part of me that wants to bring the magic that I have experienced yes. to the people in my island in combination of people that have already experienced it too. Because one thing that I noticed this year, and I have my Puerto Rican flags to gift away to yes. other Puerto Ricans on Playa, is that there were a lot more Puerto Ricans on Playa this time. To finish, I mean, I know that you have to go, but to finish up with like a really great magic, yeah. playa magic moment was in the middle of a dust storm. My friends were in an art car and I was in my bike and I saw them and they're like, come with us, come with us. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And you know, you have one of those moments. It's like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and you wave into the dust. Yes. Like, no. I'm now going and you turn around you turn your bike and say you know what i'm going back to camp or doing my own thing and my entrance at bay was at my entrance to go mm -hmm. into the city so i say oh let me just check out you know see at bay and who knows take some really cool photos in the dust storm with her which i did and i don't know where i'm, I'm there by myself with at bay having a moment and as i'm leaving or going to the bicycle to my bike I see these two people approaching it in goggles. I mean, we're like completely covered. You don't see anybody. You just yeah, see, yeah. you know. And then before I went to the bike, I said, oh, I'm just going to give them some stickers. You know, they're admiring Atabe. Why not? So I had, I had my little pouch with some stickers of Atabe. And I went and said, hey, this is the piece. It's called Atabe, blah, blah, blah. The guy turns around and says, Atabe? Are you Puerto Rican? And I'm like, what? And said, like, <laughs> we are Puerto Ricans. And I said, like, no. In the middle of a whiteout, the two people that I encounter happen to be Puerto Ricans. She starts to cry. 
she actually, this is not possible. This is not, I have tears in my eyes. I would show them, yeah, this is Atabe, blah, blah, blah. And say, I cannot believe it. And then I have my Puerto Rican flags in my bike basket and I gifted to them and they were like so happy. And now, you know, we connected through social media, but it was such a, like a highlight and an amazing moment to have with Atabe and, and meeting more Puerto Ricans on Playa. Oh, I love that story. Absolutely love that story. That, and that is the magic, right, that we yeah. talk about that's hard for people maybe to understand. The fact that you're going to, in the middle of a whiteout dust yeah. storm, which most oh, people yeah. never experience a whiteout period. They don't know what that's like. And then to run into your own, you know, countrymen and women, family, whatever, yeah. in that dust storm, that whiteout, it truly is a special moment. I mean, the timing, if you start like going back into it is the only reason why that happened was because I decided, see ya, peace out, right, right, have right, a good one. Right. If I would have gone that direction, I would have never yes. had this other experience. Yes, yes. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. You know, so, wow, that's, I mean, you're, you're, oh, you're hitting on so <laughs> <laughs> You're hitting on so many things. You know, I, I want to, I, I'm so tempted to go down this rabbit hole and that rabbit hole. I'm going to try to be disciplined here. I want to tell you, my friend, my new friend, my new dear, dear friend, Nino. By the way, Nino, is Nino your playa name? So in 2011, they started uh -huh. calling me El Nino. El Nino, yeah. And then I lost the tilde and now it's El Nino. El, El, Nino. El Nino. El Nino. Okay. Well, yeah. well so we're not on playa, so I'll just go with Nino. The reason behind it is because I took them by storm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. I want you to know, Nino, that, you know, talking about the connecting with the local LA community, burner community, you know, as I said, right, like one of my goals coming out was to connect more to local. And what I'm realizing right now, my friend, is that you are and your team are part of the local LA burner community. And so, you know, if you ever need help, if you ever uh, want uh, an extra, you know, pair of hands to help clean those nuts and bolts and <laughs> do whatever we need to do to, get, to keep awesome. Atabay happy or to plan for next year. I mean, I'm connected to a camp, but I'm here in L.A. and I would love to be a part of your family and community. Oh, God, so don't ever hesitate. So happy. So happy. And this is, you know, again, I believe that. Playa Magic doesn't only happen there. That's I right. believe that Playa Magic is happening right now in between us and the fact that we have amazing friends like Eric and Rosalind that connected us, knowing that we have a common objective point of view or goals. So I'm very grateful to hear these words. I will definitely use them and I'll definitely will going to use you. Because I need help. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yes, yes. And you know, the one thing that is like something else that we both have learned on Playa and out of Playa is that when you ask is how you can actually be able to learn how to receive. So mm. it's like if you don't ask, we don't know what your needs are. So the fact that you are actually giving me this beautiful gift right now to offering your help and your support it's really valuable to me because it's very important that we, our community, you know, continue behaving all year round. That's part of why we like or why we love our community so much and why we do the things that we do for our community. Yeah, we can live the 10 principles in, in the default world. And if more people did that, if we do that, you know, throughout the year, it's just going to make it a better world. And it's going to make it a better life. Yeah. And that's and that's how the magic happens. You know, I'm so grateful, brother. Much love. Oh, my Thank love you so you. much for this time. We'll just keep it going, my friend. Sounds good to me. Let me magic happen. Excellent. And uh, <laughs> Eric Winter, you'll, we'll see you on Playa next year. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? This is the part that is going to be interesting. Rosalind is going to say, no. <laughs> <laughs> Rosalind is like, uh-uh. Ain't happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll have to work on her, too. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. 
We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.